bad things by definition are your contextualization of bad things. So you define what a bad thing yeah, so is. Yes, you don't actually know what's good or what's bad. Right. Yes. So we personally define what bad things are. The irony, of course, is so part of it is cognition. So part of it is thinking, I define what a bad thing is based on my attitude. Right. So I believe that X, Y, and Z happening to me was bad, um, even though cognitively it might not be. Right. Because we also know that like our greatest growth is when we are hindered. Right. So when there's a hindrance in our life, we also know that that is our greatest growth. What about like someone who's yeah. like, who blames God for bad things happening? It's like, oh, my dad or my grandparent died. So God is evil. It's like against me. And, like, Hitler, yeah. Like, so, it, yeah. So if we're, if we're talking about like sinful things that impact us, mm-hmm. it, it comes back to theologically do you believe that God has the power and chooses to use the power to intervene in our world? Okay, so if your answer is God has the power and chooses to intervene in the world, if God intervenes at all and the bad things happen, it's because God either chose negligently to not do anything, right, or actively caused it. Right? So why did the person die? God killed them. And you're like, yeah, yikes. That feels wrong. Like, I think we all can understand that feels wrong. Or you believe God doesn't intervene theologically. So God lets the world, God created the world with rules and spun the world on its axis. But sin, yeah, sin, sin came in because of the fall. So because of that, there is sin in the world. To a certain extent, one of the reasons that bad things happen is because we actively choose to do things for our own individual interests instead of thinking about the group. Eve eats the apple, even though Adam's standing right next to her. Eve eats the apple, or whatever fruit it was, and therefore she acted, to a certain extent, uh, selfishly. She hands it to Adam, and now there's a social pressure. So I think the second reason why group dynamics happen or sin or pain or bad things happen is because once you're in a system of individual group norms where bad things are happening, there's also a group choice to do bad things, right? So when there is a culture of bad things happening, bad things also happen as well, right? So now Eve looks over, has established a new norm, hands it to Adam. Adam sees the group norm and decides instead of being an individual person who makes a good choice, he decides I will also follow the bad group norm and then decides to do it. And then that in and of itself becomes pain for the world. And I think to a certain extent, like, there's an aspect of the world that is decaying. We interpret that decay as a bad thing, when in reality it's a normal thing. What would you say to someone who is like, I'm not going to believe in God because how could he let Hitler like, kill these people? Fair. That's a fair critique. Like, what, what would you say to that? That's my same doubt. But you're, that, but you're a Christian. Yeah. 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 Faith doesn't mean certainty. Faith means trust. God is, God can't do anything. And so therefore I question whether or not God is worthy of worship. 
he can do something, but he chooses not to. Which is worse. Which is worse. So God can do something and doesn't do anything means God allowed it. God can't do something and so therefore didn't do anything. But he allows it because of the sin that's inside of us. Matt, still, there's no way you can get around it. It's a fair critique. This is the only way I can justify it. The cross says God is present in our pain. Not, not that God can change it and doesn't. Not that he can't change it and therefore doesn't. But rather, the cross says, I understand and I'm here with you. And you're right, it sucks. But I'm here with you. It isn't justifying it. It isn't saying, and also, by the way, it is not saying that it is in a universal good. It is saying it is exactly as bad as you think it is. This is the cross. This is the Holocaust. This is your parents' divorce. This is all of that other kind of stuff. And God isn't there to fix it. God is there to be present with you and weep with you because God weeps with you. So when you cry out to God and you say, God, why did the Holocaust happen? He says, I know I remember dying. I know it sucks so bad, doesn't it? I'm here with you, I understand. Daniel, that's Daniel 3 something, 3, 16, 17. But my favorite part is, my favorite part is actually the, the thing before they go into the furnace, which is the... If he saves us or not. Whether God saves us or not. So it's, we believe, it's, we believe that God will, can save us from this fire. And then I think one of the most powerful phrases in the Bible is, but even if he doesn't, we'll choose to do the right thing. We believe all of this is going to happen, but even if he doesn't, and I feel like if you're going to get a tattoo, that's the tattoo, but even if he doesn't, because the truth is like, sure, I trust and I believe that God can save me and I trust and believe that maybe there's a new heavens and new earth and I trust and believe in resurrection, but even if all of that never happens, I still think this is the right way to live. Yeah, or else you're believing just because you want all those things. Like right, and I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it for a conditioned reward like, in the very. I'm calling God just to get to heaven. Right. Yeah. No, I love my neighbor as myself because I truly believe that that is resurrection life, even if there's no such thing as heaven. I'm forgiving, even if there's no such thing as eternal life. I'm forgiving because I believe God can do it, but even if He doesn't, I believe this is the right way to live. And and so. The, the irony is if you focus on the bad thing and you focus on why the bad thing, you're only focused on the past and you're not focused on living. Because all of these explanations are a question of the past. And they're trying to parse the past. They're trying to, they're trying to flesh out why in the world did something happen in the past. And just like life, the best thing to do is not to live in the past and not to live in the future but instead to use both of them to inform your present. So the question is, all right, what do I believe about pain in the world? What I believe about pain in the world and what I believe about bad in the world is my job is to be the hands and feet of Jesus, which means my job is to empathetically stand and grieve with people who are going through it. As the text says that the point of the community of God is that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. It doesn't say that we give an explanation for the rejoicing, and it doesn't say we give an explanation for the mourning. It says we participate with them in the present. Like, if you said, why do bad things happen to good people? It doesn't really matter, because the worst thing happened to the best person. 
number one. But then number two, the meaning, the, the meaning is irrelevant and the answer is irrelevant because the point is presence. And the point was always presence. The point was always God now has the ability to stand with us in our pain and say, I fully understand. I lost my son too. Oh man, it was horrible. And yeah, then he was tortured. Oh gosh, because life is torture sometimes. I get it. So when I tell you to love your neighbor, I'm not a God who is saying, love your neighbor as yourself, like it's sunshines and rainbows that you're farting out of your butt. I'm saying, love your neighbor, the one that crucified me. And if I can love the one who crucified me, you can love the one who put a private Snapchat story out to make fun of you. And if I can love the one who beat the living bejesus out of me. But that's like, so then it's like religion versus like standard, like tied social and norms, I guess. Sure, sure, but the point of religion is also to point us to the present. I'm talking about boundaries. So yes. Like, because boundaries goes against the religion now. Because now you're like, kind you're of. As yourself, but then you keep loving them and they keep hurting you. Yeah. Hurting you. At some point, you walk away from abuse because you're not Jesus. Yeah. You're like, not Jesus. We're called to be like Jesus. Yeah. You're called, you're called to be imitators of Jesus. You're called to be like Jesus. You're called to have the same love as Jesus. Of his 12 best friends, one of them killed him. Yeah. And so the truth is, like, yeah. It's okay for you as a human being to establish boundaries. Now, you have to ask the question, what is the purpose of those boundaries? Does that make sense? So you have to ask the question, what's the purpose of those boundaries? Is the purpose of, that, of those boundaries because the person is abusive and they are causing you to die a little on the inside over and over and over again? Good. Set a boundary. Don't talk to them again. Don't let them into your life. Don't do that kind of stuff. That is wise. So if I kick an abuser out of the church or out of my sphere, I'm not just doing that so that my abuser can go live whatever life they want. In an ideal world, I'm saying, hopefully my relationship is so life-giving that when I say, you can't engage with me anymore, the life is gone and they'll want to come back. But when they do, I will expect them to come back with full apology and to take recompense for what they did. So if that abuse should accelerate to prison time, prison time it is. You, you don't just get off scot-free because you were abusing people. I made a boundary. You, so if you want back in this, if you want to be reconciled, the manner by which you're reconciled is you take the consequences of whatever decision you had. And whatever behavior you participated in. And so, to a certain extent, it's not necessarily religious to do that. Because I think there's elements of, I think there's elements of Jesus that say the toxic people in his life, he did void. It was just all religious people. (laughs) Right? You know what I mean? So it's like, the people who he had very strong boundaries with were usually religious people. It was the Pharisees, it was the Sadducees, it was the people that would walk up to him and be like, I'm trying to trap you. And Jesus would be like, 
you know, Jesus juke with a question and like never really answer their question, which would establish them to walk away. Right? Whereas the people who were again giving life and doing ministry with him, even though one of them eventually kills him, right? He allows around. Yeah, you're able to be like that. But recognize that anytime you interact with people, not because people are horrible and broken and gross and all that other kind of stuff, but anytime you interact with people, people have selfish interests sometimes. Yeah. And their well, selfish interests. Yeah, like they, there's always a in, like innate um, motivation for what they do. Yeah. And on top of that, like if you really think about why Judas did what Judas did, Judas didn't kill. Judas was not wanting to kill him. What Judas wanted was to start the revolution. He wanted to be like the hero. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like, "If I go in and I and I accelerate this, all of these Jewish people are going to walk up, and I'm going to kiss this guy, and then he's going to start the war, and then we win because that's what he thought the Messiah was." So even the betrayal is sometimes you have to think through the eyes of the person who betrayed you. 